Welcome to Big Rich Brock and Friends. Big Rich brings his clean comedy and storytelling to the weekly podcast that is laugh out loud and funny with a side of inspiration. Here is your host, Big Rich Brock. Hey, this is Big Rich Brock, and it is great to be back with you. Thanks for tuning in, being a part of my podcast. I've uh, been out and about, been on the road, been doing a little vacation time. Time got away from me, but I appreciate everyone that's been a part of the podcast as I began it, and I've had good momentum, and then I let it slip, and I got busy, and I said, I won't do that again. So knock on wood, and I'm knocking on my head right now, that I'll be able to maintain this, and the studio's been great, and a big shout out to uh, everyone at Whitfield Media and all the work that's being done to make this thing uh, available to you. And if this is your first time to listen, I am a former pastor of 25 plus years that has turned comedian. And people ask me, how long have you been doing comedy? I said, since I came out of the womb, come on somebody. I said, I've been doing comedy most of my life. I'm from a family where I was the only child and I was the youngest child of my extended family on one side and on the other, I was right there in the middle. So I have been able to look at a viewpoint of life from several different angles. And then as a father, I have three sons. So I've learned the dynamic of brothers and watching that develop over the years. I have been through a divorce, uh, liked it so much. I went through another one. Come on, somebody. Uh, I understand dating in your fifties. There's just a lot of things that we talk about in this podcast, but the main thing that I hope is accomplished is that I take you somewhere where you can laugh for a few minutes because, hey, I'm not a preacher, but I will say this, laughter is like a medicine, and my goal is to write scripts and give them out to you all day and to give you something that will make you laugh, maybe make you think, and hopefully inspire you at some point, but definitely make you laugh. And there's so many things we could talk about today, but one of the things that kind of got brought to my attention here recently, and I mentioned I've been through a, a divorce. I was married. Well, first of all, my parents were married for 55 plus years. Both of my parents have uh, left this earth or in heaven today, but my sweet parents fell in love. They married. They were together 55 plus years. I think they maybe spent three to four nights apart in five decades, uh, which is insane to think about the world we live in now. Uh, so there's a lot to be said about being able to maintain that and the communication and the commitment and all the things that take place. Now, I was married 26 years, but mine was a variety pack. It took me two women to get to 26 years. Now, the first one, I was married 24 and a half. We dated three and a half. So from the age of 21 or 20 till I turned 48 years old, that was my world. Being a husband, being a father to my three children, and being a pastor and a church planner. And people say, what kind of church did you pastor? I started out in the Baptist church. 
Um, I see some of my Baptist friends at the shows I do at the winery and brewery. They're normally sitting in the back where it's dark having their beer. That's how you can tell the difference. Hey, I'm just teasing you, just having a little fun. Uh, but I did the Baptist church for a couple years, and then I got involved in the non-denom churches, the spirit-filled churches, and I worked in those churches for 24 years almost. Uh, two of them were mega churches. A mega church is a church over a thousand plus people that actually show up. They're not just on the roster. They attend, they participate, they give and they aggravate. I mean, they tithe and they pray. So I was a part of those. And then I planted two churches where one Sunday morning I was in church on Easter Sunday, uh, in Chattanooga, Tennessee as an associate pastor. And there were 1800 people in the congregation that day. That night I went to the city of Dalton, Georgia, and opened a church. They sent me out as a church plant. And that night, or the following Sunday, there were 19 people in that service. So I went from a church of thousands to a church of a couple of dozen. Uh, grew it to a few hundred people in a few years. And loved doing it, but went through a divorce that I didn't see coming. Life changed, and that's where... Why, you know, people say, why are you not in the ministry now? I think all of us are in some form of ministry. Mine just happens to be, um, I try to be kind to people. Uh, I'd rather kill you with kindness than to get pissed off and aggravated. Uh, I also want to bring laughter and finding comedy in my fifties has ignited my passion. That is what I should have been doing for a long time. Most of my sermons had more comedy in it than they probably had scripture references. Maybe that's why I'm not pastoring anymore. Somebody asked me today, would you ever think about going back in the ministry? And I said, well, I am in the ministry. It's just different. And I enjoy what I'm doing. I hope you enjoy what you're doing. If you don't, be of good cheer. We're not going to do it forever. Life has seasons and we go through them. But my parents, going back to that, my parents were married 55 plus years. I was married for 24 and a half. And then like a lot of people, especially us fellas, I remarried and it lasted about a year. Uh, dated a year, married a year. And I thought, what have I done? She thought the same. So with, you know, at our age, we decided only thing we had was a house. Uh, we didn't have children together. We didn't have savings together we didn't have much of anything together but a home we decided to walk away and i want to tell you if you're out there listening and you've been through a divorce it's a tough thing the hardest part for me was thinking about what it did to my children because i didn't want we stayed in a bad marriage the first go around for the children until it became not good for the children and if you've been there you know what i'm saying but we stayed in it and I would still be in it for my kids and be miserable. You know, living with somebody that's never, that's never wrong is a tough way to live. <laughs> Come on somebody. But I'm just telling you, I would have done that for my kids, but it didn't work out that way. So you go through that and you think about them. And then the second thing you start thinking, will I ever find love or will I ever find that person that all of us are crazy? If you're married today, if you've been married a year or you've been married 50 plus, stay married if you can, because y'all have already figured out each other's crazy. You've already decided I'm willing to put up with that 
and that's what I can do. But for a lot of us out there, dating at this time, dating in my 50s is insane. I hadn't been on a first date since the 1900s until after my first divorce. And then now I'm back in the saddle doing it again, which is nuts. But as I watch things unfold and watch things happen, when I went through that divorce and then I remarried, I think I remarried because I thought, okay, there's enough of this that'll make it worth it. And I, I, I loved her children. I loved the fact we would be a family unit. My kids and her kids got along. They didn't have to live together. They didn't have to do uh, parties together or events very often. It wasn't like we were, they were the ages where they had to coexist. So it seemed like it was light. It was easy. But the fact that we did get married and didn't spend enough time to truly see how each other wants to live made it where it was difficult. So I look at my family history and my parents were never divorced. My aunt and uncles on one side weren't. My grandparents weren't. And then I look and I realize, man, there's a couple of them that have been divorced twice. But I only have two relatives that have been uh, divorced three times or married three times. Excuse me. And I thought, man, I I went through it the first time and I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I was I felt like a failure. Then I did it again and it just multiplied it. And then I felt like an idiot. What in the world did I do that for? And now I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, man, if I ever got married again, and if you're listening, I'm not looking to today. <laughs> but if I ever did again, I'm like, man, that would be three. And I only know two people in my family that have done that. And on my father's side, my relative, it's been super. He went through his first marriage, had his children, uh, things didn't work out. That's not for the podcast audience. And then he pulled a big rich and he married somebody right out of the gates. It didn't work. And then he's sitting there and then he met the love of his life. And those two people have, uh, man, they are just super people. They've grown together. They love one another. They love each other's children. And now it's their family. And they've been together, married for over 30 plus years on their third marriage. Come on, somebody. I was like, God, if I go through it, that's what I want to be like. He was my hero when I was a kid. And now he's my hero when it comes to that. Then on the other side of my family, my uncle's been married three times also to the same woman. Come on, somebody. He married the same woman three times. She had been married uh, six, and every time she divorced, he married her back. And somebody said, well, he was committed. And I said, yes, he was, and he should have been committed into a mental institution because that woman was nuts. She was crazy, but he loved her. And, you know, love is blind sometimes. The scripture tells us love is patient, love is kind. And other than him and her children, I don't know who loved her because she was nuts. But he always would take her back. And I thought, that won't be me because I'm not in that situation. But that's my two examples. So I'm looking to follow after that first one that I mentioned and go that route. But you know, in this world we live in, you've got to make decisions and you've got to decide, what am I willing to give up? 
Love isn't about what I gain from it. It's about what am I willing to give up? What am I willing to compromise? And if both people think that way, then it'll, it's got a better chance of working. Now I'm not trying to be the love doctor up here at the big rich and friends podcast, but I know enough to know when I meet her, I believe I'll know. I just hope she knows because what I've experienced is I'll see people that are into me come on somebody. But I don't have that feeling back to them or vice versa. So you have, and, and now with social media and online dating and all those aspects, it's, it's hairy and scary. And then you decide to be a comedian and be a local celebrity. Come on somebody. Hopefully to be a regional celebrity now and work it on being a uh, national. You run into all kinds of people and a la- the last couple dates that I've went on. Man, I went on one recently that I'd met her. We met online through good old face world, as my mama called it. She followed my comedy. She'd been to a you know show, and she was talking to me. I was talking to her, attractive lady, seemed to be a nice woman, and she is a nice woman. But we just kind of chatted a little bit, just over the phone, once or twice, had a conversation. I had a new venue that I'm doing a show at. I needed to go out there and do a little marketing, check it out, meet the owner. It's a winery. I thought, hey, would you like to go with me? There's good live music. We'll have a glass of wine or two and just get to know each other. She says, I'm in. Now, I'm from the South. I'm a Southern gentleman. You know, I'm smart enough to know this woman probably doesn't want me to come to her house and know where she lives. So I said, would you like me to meet you there? Or I can meet you somewhere Leave your car in a safe place, and I'll bring you back. She goes, no, you can come pick me up. That's fine. See, in the world of social media, people feel like they know you better because they can follow you on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, uh, YouTube, whatever it is that you have. But, guys, we know the way you live isn't portrayed fully on Facebook. Normally on Facebook, everything's beautiful. Everything's hunky-dory. Everything might be filtered, you know, picture-wise. It's a different scenario. But she felt like she knew me because she's been to one of my shows. And my comedy is about my life and about growing up, about my experiences, and hopefully you relate to those experiences. So here we are. We're sitting at this winery. We drove over. I picked her up. We drove over 22 minutes. We chatted, got to know each other. I love the outfit she almost wore. Come on, somebody. It was a little shorty, big short, short. Uh, and she was looking good. I was thinking Big Rich has, you know, hit a home run here. This is going to be a fun night. We get over there and we walk in and the folks that own the winery, they approached me and they said, Oh, Big Rich, thanks for being here. It's good to see you. We're looking forward to your show. Is this your wife? Long pause. I said, no, this is my friend. And I introduced her. We go to sit down and she says, a friend, is that all I am to you? All right, people. I met this woman 42 minutes prior. She wasn't really my friend at that point. We had talked on the phone. We had chatted a little bit. And I'm giving out free advice on the Big Rich uh, podcast today. I didn't know what to call her. Well, could you said your date? Yeah, I guess I could have. But I thought friend was appropriate. And she didn't like that. 
And then while we're sitting there and we're enjoying the good live music, never fails. They start singing things like Etta James at last. Then he sang a little uh, Marvin Gaye. Then the girl broke out another love tune. And I'm like, man, the wine's flowing. That first bottle's gone. You know, get a little touchy-feely. I feel a hand on my shoulder. I feel her hand running through my hair. Hey, at 55, I got a, it ain't a full head of hair, but it's enough, people. And she's running her hair or her hand through my curls. And then all of a sudden, out there in front of God, everybody else in the entertainment, she pulled my hair from my the back. And when she did, you say, Big Rich, what did you do? I said, check, please. I said, we out of here. And in my mind, I thought, man, this is going somewhere. I didn't expect it to go. And then we start walking out to the car, and I didn't say check, please. That's a joke. I'm just playing. But we stayed a little while. Then we work our way to the car. We decide to go to dinner. And when we get in the car, have that first kiss, chat a little bit, you know, come on somebody. And then we're driving to the restaurant. She says, let me ask you something. Are you seeing anybody else? I said, no, not right now. Are you on any uh, social media or dating apps? And I said, well, I am on one. And she says, oh, my. She says, I need you to take me home. Because I've committed to you. And if you can't honor that commitment, then I don't want to be here. And I appreciate that. But let's back up. I met this woman at 5 o'clock that night. And it's about 6.20. So in an hour and 20 minutes, I went from, hey, how are you? This is my friend. Getting my hair pulled, a good old smooch, and then asking if I'm ready to commit. And I thought, like I said about my uncle that was married three times to the same woman, yeah, you need to be committed. And I want her to find love. I want to find love. I want you to find it if you don't have it. But here's what I've learned. Man, it... You got to give it time, people. You got to give things time. As I started doing comedy, man, I jumped in. It took me a while to to get the the courage to do it. I wasn't fearful of speaking. I've done that all my adult life. I preached over four thousand sermons as a pastor. I've preached in prisons. I've preached in federal prisons. I've preached on death row. I'm going to tell you, the toughest crowd I ever preached to or talked to wasn't on death row. It was when I was president of the Varnell Rec Department in Varnell, Georgia, dealing with parents. That bunch is a whole lot more difficult when you're trying to raise money or get people to work a ball field or concession stand than the death row inmates at Brushy Mountain in Wartburg and up in Tennessee. But I've learned that things take time, and I wasn't afraid of speaking or I was afraid of being vulnerable and doing comedy is being vulnerable. And so is it. So is dating and falling in love with somebody. You've got to be vulnerable. And I remember I was like, God, I just don't know if I can do it. He says, you'll never find your passion or your love or what it is you're shooting for unless you're willing to be vulnerable. So you guys know that and just want to encourage you in that and let you know that, man, life's good. There's enough people out there. If you live with somebody 
that it's negative all the time, I'm glad you're listening. Turn me up a little bit louder right now. I've got a friend, and I'm going to tell you something. This friend is in a, was in a relationship with somebody, and they were negative about everything. There was nothing ever good. They always took it out on other people. When you're insecure in yourself and you're jealous, you're going to be negative and ugly to people. You say, well, give me an example. You ever had a person in your life that if you walked up to them and said, hey, I want to bless you with a $100 bill, instead of them saying thank you, here's what she'd say. You mean to tell me you won't give me a $100 bill? Who's going to break that? Can I not get 520s? Man, they'd complain. They'd want 520s instead of free money. Man, you want to give out free money? I'll send you my P.O. box and we can go from there. But that's the kind of person some people are. You don't want to be that negative person. And, man, there's a lot of things. When I do comedy, I always encourage people. I don't make fun of people in my shows. I do enough about myself and my own family. You're there to be entertained. You're there to escape for a little bit. You're there to enjoy life. If it's in a brewery or a winery or a theater or a comedy club, you might have a drink or two. Uh, if it's in the church, you might have a sweet tea or two, but you're there to be entertained. And I want to take you somewhere that makes you feel good. And then hopefully, because people only go back to a place of pleasure. You know, there's so many people that are out of the church today, and it's because they got mad at somebody. Man, I, I was at Walmart two days ago. I got pissed off, but guess what? I'll be back there next Sunday because they got something I need. Same thing with anything in life. Be encouraged in it. Have some fun with it. And just realize that no matter what you're going through right now, it's going to get better. And, man, I appreciate you listening. I laugh. I said this episode, I've talked more about life. I've given you a little bit of comedy. But my show, I'm gearing up right now to uh, do my 91st show since I started doing comedy, doing stand-up. Uh, I have a theater show or a coffee shop show or a winery or brewery, church, wherever it is. I do a lot of private gigs for businesses, but I do an hour show, and I've been doing that since I started 15 months ago. 15, 16 months ago, I decided to turn pro after doing three open mics. And I've not, I've not turned back and I have no regrets and I'm gearing up for my hundredth show here in the next month. And I'll give you more details about that. But if you're over in the Rock Mart, Georgia area, Rome, Cartersville, that area, I'm going to be doing a show over there and it's a great venue. It's a beautiful winery that has just opened up and it's in Rock Mart and I'm going to be there on Thursday. July 27th at Paris Mountain Vineyard. Beautiful place. Great couple on the place. They've just got established. They have wonderful entertainment. And I am the, I am the first comedian that's hitting the stage there. And we're going to have a big time. Tickets are 15 bucks a person. It's limited seating, but unlimited laughs. And I've got a lady that's going to be opening up that's new to the comedy scene. Uh, she's a super, just a sweetheart of a person, uh, Larissa Orton, and she's going to come out and be a part and open for me. And she's a teacher. You're going to get the teacher and the preacher. Well, the former preacher, we're going to be out there and have a great time. She, we do clean comedy for good people. And, you know, people ask me, man, how clean's your comedy? I said, man, my ex-wife said, I'm not the golden girls. I might talk about sex for 30 minutes. 
but you wouldn't know it unless you had it before. <laughs> I still crack myself up. We have fun, but I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to say something that you're going to look over and your mama's with you and go, oh, man, I can't believe Big Rich said that. Now, you'll know what I'm thinking, but I won't have to say it. You'll think it. And we'll have a lot of fun. And that show's going to be a great time. You can get tickets through Venmo or Cash App at Big Rich Brock Comedy. Go ahead, if you haven't yet, go on your Facebook and like and follow Big Rich Brock Comedy. Same for YouTube and Instagram. I appreciate it. I've got my personal Facebook is just about maxed out, but I'm trying to get a comedy page going And I thank you for supporting that, being a part. I hope you have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next time at Big Rich Brock Comedy. And have a blessed day. You've been listening to another episode of Big Rich Brock and Friends. For more information and past shows, go to our website, BigRichBrockComedy.com. Thank you for listening.